calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back, Quest fans, to a bright new year of adventure entertainment, featuring teams of heroes from all over the five kingdoms of Mackinac, putting their lives on the line for your viewing pleasure. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. And joining me here in the mega booth is the well-seasoned LUQ veteran and analogist supreme, Stormclad Thundertongue. Kip, I'm feeling good about this year. I call this the home stretch. In a season, we'll have some downtime for the teams, and new teams will gather as many coins as they can and try to feed them into the bloodbath gotcha pond that is the Grand Proving. And we'll be entering year 16 of the OUQ. This last chunk of action before the break is always the wildest. Believe me, I've been around for all 16 of them. Right you are, Storm. The 15th Annual Invitational is right around the corner, where select teams from each adventuring tier will be featured facing challenges and competing for wonderful prizes. Tickets are sold out, and we'll be bringing you live up-to-date coverage of the event, so mark it on your calendar. It's going to be, as the kids say, epic. The pennants got roped into two invitationals in our heyday. Once when we were champions, and again when we hit Paragon. Now, we were a pretty sloppy hero-ranked team. Took us a while to get our heads on straight, and after we geared up the hard way and left our egos at the door, we were unstoppable. For the folks at home, what kind of challenges did you get saddled with at your invitational? Well, the champion one was tough as nails, but pretty straightforward. Iron walls, spears moving in on us from both sides, ankle-deep ghost snakes, and an invisible sniper. All we had to do was get out. Ghost snakes? Ghost snakes. Good thing our team cleric banished most of them into whatever afterlife snakes have. And magically melted spears make decent ladders once they're cooled down. Me, I had the honor of tracking down the sniper, taking my share of pot shots along the way. I was madder than a hornet in a beer bottle. Once I found him, I took that crossbow and shoved it right up his... <coughs> well, uh, let's just say I, I gave it a silencer. Well, how about the next one? Honestly, I'm not supposed to talk about it. They don't even show it on replays anymore. Some technical issues and a challenge that maybe looked cool on paper that didn't quite pan out the way they thought. We set some weird records that day. Right. Of course. I'd almost forgotten. Well, before the Invitational, our teams will rack up as many last-minute quests as they can. Like the Mortal Dawn. Their patron is a renowned quest-finding machine, and we'll be sure to see them back in action in no time. Let's tune in and see what they're up to right now. It's been a week since the winter holiday of Spirit's Dawn. We find our team in Lucinilli in the Rot Ward, above the Lounge of Ultimate Questing. They've had some holiday time, the snow is melting, new snow has fallen, everything in the village is calm. 
Not many ships are coming into the port. Business is low. What have each of you been up to over this week after we left off with a very dramatic note? Arvid has been just so filled with the spirit of kindness since this holiday. So he's been going basically door to door asking if he can shovel snow. Mm, that's or cute. Whatever. He's like, what do you need help with? I'm big, strong boy. I'll help you now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So hopefully doing a lot of physical labor. Yeah. And you you find that like you're using the shovel so much that you're starting to be able to scoop twice every six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird you're, you're focusing on this two-handed skill uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. it's weird how much it's translating to the rest of your life Ra- rage shoveling <laughs> so what has Hirothax been up to during this holiday week i think Hirothax has been kind of going through what seeds they were able to salvage from their garden at their home in danmere mm-hmm. and then looking through the seeds that their ancestor gave them and probably kind of going around town and finding places where they think that those seeds might germinate and actually grow into plants mm. and planting a few of them in like select locations. Certainly. And it's it's difficult because it's the winter season. Right. And most of the patches of ground are covered under thick snow. Well, Silverax was a little tropical, so they're probably in a lot of snow. But you're getting a lot of ideas for when the season changes. And there is work starting on a very small rooftop kind of box garden. It's not quite as big as the greenhouse we had dreamed and envisioned, but there's enough room for like several large kind of like window boxes okay. up along the borders of the roof. And room for you guys to go up there and, you know, be brooding and staring at people and fighting if you want. But you find lots of strange alien beads inside of this bag, like things that look like they have like little tentacles growing out of them. Some of them almost look like reptilian skulls, but these are in fact organic seeds that grow in another dimension. Uh, So you get a lot of insight into what you could potentially grow. Lots of herbs and tinctures, things you could use in your alchemy and perhaps even your hard respects. How about Chris Zagrand? What have you been up to since receiving your disturbing missive? Well, uh, Chris has been really depressed. Uh, it's very shocking, terrifying news. Uh, you can see it, not just on his face, but the Sons of Starlight gave him that awesome, you know, mood robe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> mood it's robe. usually this kind of vibrant crimson, but now it's a very... I'm just going to say depressing midnight blue. Yeah. Uh, So Chris has been sulking around, really like not interacting a whole bunch, Mm. uh, except for like towards the end of the week where he's like, I I just need to get out and do something. And he went to, of all things, an open mic night. Mm. You know, he's just up there singing the blues and he, he got some relief from that. Yeah, and there's actually some people in the audience you can hear kind of whispering between your songs that you're just emitting from the heart out of nowhere. They're like, is that Chris Grand from the Mortal Dawn? It's like, I'm drinking Surefine bourbon right now. His picture's on the bottle. <laughs> I, I love the idea that Chris is so fabulous that even his depression color is midnight blue. It's not like gray. Like <laughs> oh, absolutely. I almost wanted to say that the design of the robes is that they have a heart oh. on the sleeve. <laughs> oh, That's God. a little too tongue-in-cheek. Um, but you generate this beautiful music and you're definitely falling back into getting in touch with your artistic side after learning all these strange things and you can feel a kind of energy fill the room just humming off of you when you sing and when you move Um, you're tapping into all new kinds of strange magic that you've never dealt with before it feels way different than this raw primal bizarre magic that you channel naturally almost comforting how about artyom what's he been up to for the past week so 
at some point or another after Arvid comes in after a long day of shoveling some driveways <laughs> because I guess they're yeah. a middle school student. Him and Morty just like soaking wet. Right. <laughs> the first thing I do a second they sit down is drop a plate on like right in front of them. The plate is full of food and none of it looks good. Not not to say that it's it looks like disgusting, but it's just like heaped onto the plate. And he slides it across uses it. <clears throat> D- did you make this yourself? The it. Uh, um, what's this thing? Is it a... This is pasta. It is obviously pasta. You're uh, making fun of me. No, 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 no. I get enough of this from Jean-Pierre. <laughs> and you see big paws get up on the table and there's a sniff and then a very slow recoil. <laughs> <laughs> Morty's confused by the scene that's happening. Okay. Right he I... almost feels like this is a sacred object that's being analyzed and he's not allowed to touch it right now. Is there a name to this dish? The Pasta vegetables and uh what is this bread this is garlic bread okay it doesn't okay yes duh maybe jean-pierre is right my uh my uh what is it the plating is referred to as uh le farts but uh la, oh. la, la, <laughs> farts. Le farts. <laughs> that's canon uh yeah okay i'll dig in <laughs> do, I, do you want me to roll and see if it actually is good? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, go ahead and you can either use wisdom or dex. Okay, I'll use wisdom. That makes most sense. Not great. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a five total. Oh, no. All right, so all of the ingredients are there. You can tell that this would nourish you. Um, there's not a lot of flair. Some of the spices are all, you know, solidified in one portion of the dish, but there's obviously like a degree of learning happening here on this plate. You're aware of it. It's definitely better than a lot of the stuff you've had in your strange wandering life. Um, RTM, I can tell that you put your heart and soul into this. Jean-Pierre, you're right. It sucks. I grab a plate and I walk over and dump it in the garbage. Oh, And no. immediately there's a giant dog head in the trash. <laughs> and the trash is emptier than it was before the food got dumped into it by the time Morty's done. So as the door is like swinging back and forth, I'm like, of course it sucks. Why wouldn't it suck? I'm completely terrible at this. I hate it. <laughs> Relax, Artyom. You just have to season in layers. Always season in layers. Don't wait till the end to put the salt and pepper on while it's cooking. I am wearing tank top and turtleneck and coat. I am seasoning in plenty of layers. Right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm the food. Do not, do not worry. Let us go peel some potatoes together. Tonight, we talk about frying in oil. <sighs> Ooh. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I really want fried potato skins now. <laughs> mm. Yes. Uh, Artyom's clearly been spending some time in the kitchen at the Lounge of Ultimate Questing under the uh, watchful eye of Jean-Pierre, learning a little bit about cooking. He doesn't allow you in during the rush, but in the morning he <laughs> lets you help with prep and he gives you lessons when he can. I'd like to think that as a as a like a prep chef, I'm fantastic. Like oh, just yeah. blazing through like perfect everything. You're organized. He's amazed at your ability to ration the ingredients, like managing <laughs> to make an entire loaf of bread from a cup of flour. Like, <laughs> It's it's impressive. And he's learning a little bit from you about food sustainability. But nice. he definitely goes into chef mode if you step out of line or get in the way. And he's like, not now. I am busy. <laughs> and you are pushed out of the kitchen. Good. You haven't seen much of Maven in the past week. It seems like he's been very busy moving about town. He's taking a little bit of attention away from his managerial position of the lounge and working more on, you know, team PR, finding jobs. The season is low end, so the jobs that are out there are super random. You've got a lot of ones that he brought you that pay nothing and they're not very exciting. But you all managed to be in the upstairs base at the same time, relaxing early in the morning. And you see Maven come in 
and he has an armful of like scroll cases as usual. And he's wearing a, a sword on his hip, which you haven't ever seen before. And he's wearing a much different outfit. It almost looks like a cell sword would wear in their off time, kind of like open dueling vest and striped pants and things like that. And he comes in and he doesn't even say hi, just like is like muttering to himself and drops some scrolls on the table. <laughs> Can't do. As soon as I see him walk in with a sword, I grab my wand and I hold it out and I'm like, already? <laughs> this is quick. Oh, goodness. Uh, I forgot what I was wearing. I apologize. <laughs> um, that was quite the snap back to reality. I've been all over the place. I'm trying to get in a little better in the Silver Precinct. I, I had the hunch that there might be some jobs coming up through the military with all the issues with the war in Alcara and all that, but wasn't that successful. I'm trying to infiltrate new cliques that I have not yet approached. And the militaristic side is new to me. I thought it was very stylish, though. It seems like every noble in town carries a sword. If I'm going to be representing a hero-ranked team, I thought it might be quite dashing. I have no idea how to use it. But it looks quite stunning. Uh, I don't even think it's quite military-grade. It's probably more of a show sword. So, of course. decorative. I did learn some news, though, about a potential job that came in. Uh, there's a lot of talk about what's happening in Alcara at the Silver Precinct. Tensions are still quite high. There hasn't been any military action, so to speak. But uh, I did receive an offer for a job from a noble in Den Mazir, who wishes to have you come and visit him and tell you about the job there. It's an Alcaran tradition to discuss business over dinner. So I don't have any kind of paperwork to show you, but you have an open invite to the capital. Last time we went to meet the noble in his house, he turned out to be Jackass. Which time was that? The last one. Ah, yes. Lord Nalrose. And the time before that, we got attacked in a ballroom. Mm, duh. We don't have great history going to noble houses. No, the time just after that, uh, we watched as two of our oldest, deepest friends devour a meat curtain. <laughs> that did happen, too. Well, I am completely willing to go with you, but the reason this one caught my interest is because it pays quite a bit, and you haven't gotten a lot of PR in Alcara yet. There's a lot of very wealthy people there, and their following of the LUQ is quite high. It's playing in all of the taverns. I look over at Christ. Is it going to be a problem for you? It's it's fine. Being eaten by a giant world-sized worm in their country isn't enough PR for them? What do we have to do for these people? <laughs> well, things that happen in the Breathless Sands aren't necessarily tied to places like Den Mazir or the surrounding kingdoms thereof. Um, but I have a teleportation that could get you there. You still have a few more freebies from the League, and that would make it so you don't have to try to pass through the Breathless Sands again. It would save you quite a bit of... Uh, being eaten. Of being eaten, yes. <laughs> or just dying in the desert in other ways. Speaking of eaten, this is called risotto, apparently. Oh. He told nice. me I should not jump so far ahead, but uh, I give it a shot. He picks up a kind of oversized risotto and pops it in his mouth and says, hmm. Much better. 18. It's mushroom risotto. You're sticking to what you know this time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Very filling for one piece of risotto. The mushroom is made of my material essence. I won't ask any questions about that. <laughs> well done, Artyom. Well done. It's exciting to see you exploring new creative venues. That's nice. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, Queen Mianala has several laws regarding teleporting into the capital of Den Mazir. So I'm afraid that the protocol, if you wish to take this, would be to be teleported outside of the city, a few hours from the capital. And this individual named Hab Hakima uh, would meet you out there and enter the city with you. Apparently it's very customary and sort of a feather in the cap to enter the city gates with some special guests. How often does this person get asked to say their name ten times fast? I have no idea. <laughs> I imagine people don't talk down to him in Alcara. He's quite wealthy. 
So the protocol would be that you would get teleported about four hours outside of the city and just have a very short walk through some very calm, mild desert, and he would meet you outside of the gates of Den Mazir and give you a tour, perhaps, and you're going to be invited as guests to his villa for the evening. And whether or not you take the quest is up to you. I can go with you if you want to help with any negotiations or just to have an extra set of eyes on you. But you should understand that the nobles of Den Mazir have a lot of regard for the League of Ultimate Questing. The odds of an entire household trying to pull some sort of treachery would probably get them exiled from their noble houses. Is our, our attire acceptable? They would, they would assume that we would be a group of ragtags. I think if you wore your adventuring gear, it would probably present yourselves quite well. You've all gotten some fairly nice equipment at this point. You look pretty nice even when you're out on the trail i always look flesh i agree pop the collar (laughs) uh the job offered um sounded like it could be in the ballpark of 500 gold each nice that's respectable from the sounds of it it would all take place in or around the city um but again he wished to leave a lot of the details until you have dinner with him so that's their tradition i'll try to uphold it do you expect that because we're based out of lucinilli there would be any problems with the alcaran noble houses i know we kind of witnessed the, the less than savory poisoning attempt early in our careers that's fair um you all don't look like leonins though you're all very different no what <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention your members of the League. You wear their colors. I think you would be met with a fair bit, uh, unless politics were discussed. I think you'd be received as a, a degree of celebrity, yes. When he says we don't look like Leon and Sir Ruthax's bottom jaw just drops. <laughs> <laughs> Giant alligator jaw drop. This sounds good to me, unless you have any other missions on offer. I haven't dealt too much with the Alcaran nobles in some time. Their system of houses is very complicated. There's a lot of pageantry, and there's a lot of protocol. Um, Are we going to get stabbed with poison knives because we did not dance properly when we come through the door? Shouldn't they be used to having outsiders? I'm sure we're just considered uh, not part of the game. Outsiders, perhaps, but idiots. I don't know if they're used to dealing with that very much. I feel like the fact that you are outsiders and celebrities in the league is what he is most interested in. This is probably going to be a bit of a PR stunt for himself, as well as the team. A xenophile, then? Perhaps in a way. I don't know that much about Hab Hakima. Well, if he is, then he's in for a treat, and I reach out a high-five for Arthax. <laughs> Arthax will reach up and high-five Artem, but is not sure why we're high-fiving. <laughs> xenophile means they like to have sex with strange things. It was new word. I look around at the group, I'm like, well, I mean, I guess there's a... <laughs> <laughs> different strokes for different folks. I'm sorry, you were saying I was. I really wanted to show off my new vocabulary. Very <laughs> impressive. Uh, I don't think he has ambitions to bet any of you. But the night is young, as they say. Um, Give Chris time. <laughs> now, I do want to address that. Chris, I understand you haven't been to Den Mazir since you were very young. Is this going to be... I, I, I was under the impression that all of the ties you had with your former house have been severed. They, they have been. It doesn't mean that there won't be issues. I'm pretty sure we severed some of those ties ourselves. <laughs> yes, with very sharp blades and spells. <laughs> but you, you know how these things work. They're never truly done. And they say that Den Mazir changes dramatically every few years, so it might be a very different city than what you grew up in. That would be quite wonderful. Hmm. Well, just know that you'll be attending as a member of the League and not as a former member of House Cubus. Well, we're going to be close to the people who recently told you you might be a super weapon. So, uh, probably worth being careful. You might be able to check in with your dancing friends. Aren't all of Chris's friends dancing friends? Probably. <laughs> I understand Chris's background is complicated and not known to all of us, myself included. But uh, the message I received for Chris was from Andesign, which is in 
Danmir. So mm-hmm. the people who have their eyes on Christ and have been dealing with the Heption's Ball and all that are in a different kingdom. He moved before all of that happened, but he grew up in Danmazir where we're going. This is all very complicated. It is. <laughs> but they are from Alcarad, yes? They are not. What? They bought him in Alcarad and traveled to Danmir. Write a book. <laughs> I need to figure this out. These are difficult things to talk about. I'm only going off the minimal bit I knew when researching you and choosing you for the team. But would you like me to go with you, or would you like me to remain behind? Well, if you come with us, is this uh, going to interrupt any of your other work? I have things pretty well in motion. I have people in charge of the League Tavern now, and if I'm with you, I'm doing part of my job. Important question. Yes. Are you looking for an excuse to go? I haven't been to Denmazir in a long time, and if I can rub elbows with some of the noble houses, it might be good for us, but I'm not asking. I could take a vacation day. I have some, some time off coming. He wants to go. Some extra eyes in a foreign land. It's not bad. Extra eyes that can change color. Mm. Duh. I think this is good. Anybody else? No complaints? I mean, just keep in mind, I can help you with negotiations, but when it comes to the quest, I will be quite separate. I don't know about their customs, but usually wearing a sword is an invitation to duel. You might want to take it off. I think in Alcara it would be okay, as long as we have money. Do we want to bring Morty? Woof. He would get lonely if we left him. He'll destroy the lounge if we left him. (laughs) (laughs) But if we take him, we're going into very fancy places. Dogs are not good there. No, people love dogs in fancy places. Haven't you seen the the paintings of the nobles with their their They're cats well, uh, that don't uh, look like cats? Uh, yes, it, yes. It's a it's a cat kingdom. Oh, well. Hmm. Has he even seen a cat? Keep in mind, this is also in the desert. He's a large dog, presumably meant for mountains. I don't think he will do well. They also are very fond of exotic and rare animals there. A lot of the nobles walk around with such creatures in tow. So there's mm. pros and cons to it. But this is why we have heart attacks. <laughs> are you calling me an exotic animal? That tracks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the choice is yours. I just wanted to make it clear we will be staying in Hakima Villa, which might be a very nice establishment. And it could be a test of Morty's training, or it could be a recipe for... Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Who left this, this napkin full of bacon in my pocket? Oh, I hope nobody takes it from oh, me. Oh, I've been specifically training him for this since the last time. So. so, I want you to roll me an animal handling to reflect how well Morty does in the situation based on your time training together. So my roll was 11 and my animal handling, I think, was like plus five. So, yeah, that's 16 total. All right. You pull the bacon out of your pocket. Morty stands up, looks at you, looks at Arvid, and then sits down. Very good. Wow, good job. And his eyes do not leave Arvid. Wow. They're gradually growing larger and larger. (laughs) I walk walk over to Arvid and start pinching them and shoving them and like getting more excited about it. Morty looks to the two of you confused and starts to stand up. Shove, pull, toss, play. It's okay, Morty. He's like pushing his head, giant like bucket head between the two of you and like kind of (laughs) nuzzling you apart. Okay. And then I start playing, like aggressively playing with Arvid. And just like see how they, see how he right. responds. Morty starts running around the two of you in circles. Now, this is where the problem starts to rise. You see, he's tail. excited. Uh, maybe he'll stop if I ask him to. Morty, sit. Uh, go ahead and roll me one more animal handling. Twenty-one. Wow. Uh, stops. Tail like vibrates for a second, then like a like a bird dog just freezes in place. <laughs> And, and just kind of instinctively raises a paw up. My hands go up, like, impressed. I'm like, okay, this is fine. And Maven gives, like, a little golf clap. He's like, <laughs> Arvid, you've really been putting work into this. Uh, yeah, the Beastmaster at the circus gave me some tips. Mm. I've been 
really putting him to the test. Well done. I pull out the bacon and I hand it to Morty. <laughs> like up to your wrists, tongue. It's like a handshake with a warm mouth. Gentle. Gentle. <laughs> He's like dangling out of his teeth and like <laughs> carefully pulling it in like a conveyor belt. I throw it with a napkin. <laughs> he eats it. <laughs> it's saturated with bacon fat. That's going to be fun later. <laughs> Well, that's exciting. I see no problem with taking Morty. He might garner some interesting attention from the people of the city. He might have to stay outside, though. Um, he learned, he's learned to stay pretty well, too. Good. Excellent. Well, I'll get us a teleportation sorted out for the morning. We should arrive out in the desert when it's still fairly cool, but not the cold of the night. Any more information about the Invitational? Ah, yes, the Invitational. That's coming up before too long. Uh, I heard that they will be sending someone, probably in the next week or so, to ask you all some questions and interview you and then clear up some of the doings. It changes every year, so I have no idea what they have in store. Has the Commissioner been in contact with you since the event? No, they have been quite distant. Distant indeed. Especially since you did that quest for them. I will return in the morning and we can set off together. I'm excited to go to Denmazir. It's been quite some time. What kind of food do they have there? Very spicy, lots of exotic meats. Um, they're very fond of coconut stews and tropical dishes, fresh fruit. Spicy? You know, there are little peppers that grow on bushes and trees and things, and when you eat them, it makes your mouth feel kind of burny. Kind of like pepper. Like black pepper, da? It's a similar mouthfeel, but they're a different thing altogether. Ask John pierre I think you'll like spicy food, Artyom. Oh, yes. I think you will. Da? Most people either very much like spicy food or hate it very vehemently. Okay, this will be fun. Mm -hmm. There are Maybe. some cultures in Gengetsu that weaponize it. Uh, this is what? F weaponized food? Weaponized food, yes. Not poisoned? No, there are peppers where if you get the juices or the spices like in your eyes or near your mouth, it burns, it hurts, it's hard to see, it makes you cough. And you eat this? Yes, many people eat them. Mm. This food hurts you mm -hmm. and you eat it? Yes. Very much so. Ugh. <laughs> Why do you think I think you'll like it? <laughs> I could potentially be gored by a bowl. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy a nice bowl cheek. Duh, but then again, I also don't see you standing in the abattoir ready to kill him. That's true. Well, you'll learn a lot about food, and that sounds like it's what you're interested in right now. That is an interesting picture. Maven wandering through the meats. <laughs> I've done my time in the butcher shop. I've seen how the sausages are made, Artyom. Are these euphemisms? No, I think he's, uh, I think he's just I think literally he's... had most jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gives a wink in its direction i will see you all in the morning very early before sunrise go to bed early if you want or be tired whatever <laughs> go to bed early or be tired just be awake thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> and remember we're going to the desert so dress appropriately yeah i'm losing <sighs> i'm losing the armor it will be nice to get out of the snow for a while there's going to be nothing under my coat it's been a particularly cold <laughs> season this year i like the snow have a good rest, and I will return with breakfast. And Maven takes off. He kind of seems to be, like, adjusting his sword very proudly as he leaves, taking his paperwork with him. And Morty's still, like, sitting perfectly still, staring at Arvid with, like, this napkin hanging out of his mouth. Still, like, in I'm obe being obedient mode. Go play, Morty. <gasps> he follows Maven out the door, and you see hear him, like, knock him down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you look out the window, and Morty's, like, on top of him in the snow, like, wagging his tail. <laughs> His swords come out of the sheath and he's just like covering his face. <laughs> and just close the door. <laughs> Adorable. Um, so does anyone have any preparations they take before the morning comes? Yes. Chris is going to take Harothax probably just on a, on a little walk. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Give me diamonds while you're out. Two of them. Why? I need diamonds. 
For glamour. Okay. <laughs> Do you go with Chris? Sure. You take a nice walk in the crisp, crunchy snow. Mm. Good ones! <laughs> he probably needs them for resurrection spells. Oh. So I take him to a frozen lake. Kind of sit in semi-awkward silence for a couple minutes. And then Chris breaks it with, um, so I need you to rip my heart out. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to throw a rock across this pond and see if it made laser noises. You need me to do what now? (laughs) I don't want to be a weapon. Literally, if you have to. But if I ever go too far, I need you to do this for me. I'm not going to be anyone's tool. Take off your shirt. Okay, okay. I want to inspect the the crystal that's embedded in his chest. Sure. Uh, Roll me a medicine check. Okay. Because Chris is so desperate, Mm -hmm. he's going to accidentally inspire Harthax. Okay. Uh, You can add a d6 to this. Okay. If you want. Yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Nice. 25. Wow. You've never really gotten to study this very closely. It's usually obscured by both like a necklace that kind of wraps around it or nice high robes. Um, But it looks like there is a very strange amorphous gem that is completely embedded where his heart would be. Um, You can see little tiny veins that kind of spread out from it through his chest. And it looks like it's like the roots of a tree that have just completely sunk in and nestled themselves in very comfortably. Uh, to the point where it's almost flush with his chest, but rises out a little bit, and it just sort of pulses. Like, if you get near or touch it, there's just sort of a constant vibrating hum that comes from inside of it. Reverberate. No. Uh, no. Every time it... I... I need to see what it does. Oh, God. Fine. And then he starts to reverberate. Okay. And you can visually see, like pulsing out through all of these little veins of crystal, just like this pulse of energy that spreads out through Chris's chest and it begins to vibrate more intensely. If you get hand, your hand near, it's like a subwoofer that just has this constant hum pushing away from it. And it almost, it expands. Um, and you can see the, the little follicles of hair that are on his chest and the pores around it, little tiny beads of crystal start to like spring out from them. If you were to look close, it would almost look like his chest was bedazzled. <laughs> I love it. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if I could remove it without killing you. Oh, God. It would leave quite a wound. I don't know what to do. I might. Might. And I glance down at my hand and and I say, be able to replace it with something. But I don't know if that would be better. I... I... Sometimes I think maybe I'm keeping it at bay. That's what I was thinking this whole time, but I don't know. And every time, the last two times that I almost died, I I came back, but I didn't I didn't feel quite the same. Visually, it's pretty impressive when you go down and get back up again. I think it might get stronger when that happens. You should maybe Try to avoid capitalizing on that too terribly much. My thoughts, exactly. But you never know. Maybe the more powerful it grows, the more obvious its effects will be, and we can go from there. (sighs) Whatever you say. And yeah, you are quite certain studying it that it is so symbiotically embedded into his heart that removing it would remove his heart. Okay. 
So that is a fair analysis of that strange arcane thing. But good news is if we get uh, Artyom his diamonds, maybe we could kill you and then he could bring you back. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knew death could be so funny? I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, and we'll say that on the way back, there is in fact, you know, just a, not busy, obviously, because it's the winter season, but you find a couple of very expensive diamonds. The two of you return to the lounge and uh, get ready for the adventure in the morning. So uh, Chris goes to the roof, bringing the candle and the necklace and the uh, prescient faces, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what kind of moon is it right now? It is a blue spirit moon in the winter season. It's waning. It's like at a quarter. So uh, he, he just takes a minute in the cold, kind of meditates and lights the candle uh, and places the necklace like around it with the coin. He says, Gastiel, I hope you like my song. I might need you to take this from me. I don't know what to do. So you make some kind of music? So Chris kind of accidentally flows into one of those bluesy soul style things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when he first accidentally casts Unearthly Chorus. Mm. He hears things like coming off the distance, harmonizing and all kinds of things. Wow. And um, just it's his I think it's his version of like praying. Yeah. And that evening, the Rotward and Lucinilli that night is filled with a strange, sad music that just seems to wash out from your establishment. And there are people in nearby buildings that just gently weep in their sleep, not knowing why. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I really want Haruthax to be playing oh Baker God. Street on his weird conch, just, <laughs> just somewhere below, just jazz sax awesome. going on. Oh, oh my God. Uh, so the morning comes, Chris, you're a little tired. The sun is not up yet. And Maven leads you all to the Silver Precinct, where you get to use one of your freebie teleportations. And you are sent magically out into the Breathless Sands, but very close to the capital of Den Mazir, Almost as far north as you can possibly get in Mackinar. And the moment you appear, you are just immediately hit with this wave of warm air and direct sunlight coming up over the mountains as the sunrise is just starting to happen. And in the distance, you see this massive, beautiful walled city with these huge spires that stand up out of it in a myriad of colors. And there's a crystal blue ocean just behind it and a strong tropical wind blowing in through the air. And there near this, out in the middle of the desert, circle of stone that just rises up out of the sand, there's one guard standing near it who has brightly wide plumed pants and a long curved spear and rich caramel colored skin and a, a helmet with like an, a lion's mane that wraps around it. Seems to be the only person watching this teleportation circle. And he gives you all a silent nod and directs you towards the city. And you see a palanquin with eight soldiers around it um, near the gates of the city, kind of out at a distance. And you see a large kind of rotund, well-dressed, colorful figure waving his hand up in the air. And as you approach, you get your first look at Hab Hakima, a wide open chest with hair coming off of it and like a rich, dark skin, a vest pulled over it, um, a finely wrapped scarf around his head and a big curled mustache, oiled beard with little gems that hang off of it rings on all of his fingers. And there are eight, what look like fairly well-trained soldiers kind of standing around this palanquin. It's very simple. It's not too gaudy. It looks like the poles are collapsible and there are wheels that can be attached to it. It is currently sitting on the ground. 
and he steps forward very warmly with this small female dwarf uh, with pulled back braids, kind of writing notes in a little notebook in his shadow, sort of. He says, ah, the mortal dawn, it is so nice to meet all of you. I am Hob Hakima, and you have come to work for me, yes? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I will speak to you in Signian, my Signian very good, no? What is Signian? It's, it's the common language here. Oh, this? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in, in, in Drav, the word for uh, what you call Signian is upper filth, so I just assume that's what's called <laughs> it. It's, it's upper common. <laughs> upper common, I like that. Oh. And yeah, he's like glistening in the sunlight. He's obviously just adorned with fine silks and very expensive jewels. And he gestures to the gate of the city. And on the huge golden gate, on one door, there is an embossed manticore up on its hind legs. And on the other one, there is kind of a crouching sphinx. And over the top of the wall, you can see what is referred to as the patchwork spires. And they're absolutely breathtaking. Huge, round-topped towers that are covered in a mosaic of tiny glass gems. And as the sun hits them and shifts through the sky, you can see the symbols of the different houses become visible and kind of light up, shifting from one to the other. And there's a large crowd of, we'll say peasants, gathered outside of the city gates. And there are large wooden platforms, scaffolds, erected. They're shouting and they're throwing coins at what looks like an execution as he starts to lead you into the city, kind of pointing at things and be like, these are the patchwork spires. Look how they take your breath away. And soon we will enter the city together and they will see me entering with the League of Ultimate Questing team. Uh, uh, Excuse me, what's going on over there? Oh yes, the people, they have left the city to watch the execution. You see, if they get close to the scaffold and the blood of the criminal hits them, they will be blessed for the season. Well, that's nice cool. What do they do? Well, this is a very particular and auspicious execution. The whole town has been buzzing because they are very superstitious people, to say the least. And if it is a very special person, uh, then the blessings of the blood will be even greater. This man, this man who is going to get his head cut off. There's a huge figure standing over this shackled man in tattered robes, leaning over a headrest for his neck. And he's got this glistening black skin and shining gold sword in two hands that curves. Clearly the executioner, Hob Hakima says, this man was once a famous carpenter. He is known by the people for having built the executioner scaffoldings as you enter the city of Denmazir. Denmazir is one hell of a town, Kip. You know, I've been a few times for events, but I've never actually gotten to visit. Hit the streets, meet the people. It's a weird place for an outsider, I'll tell you that. Seems like the only two type of people who live there are really wealthy or really poor. I know that's kind of painting with a wide brush, but you have to understand, the wealthy are real goddamn wealthy, and the poor are real poor. Uh, Being somewhere in the middle makes you kind of feel like you're uh, walking a narrow path. Well, as far as currency goes, it is without question the wealthiest city in all of Mackinac. Let me tell you, though. You're like a little uh, kick in the mouth. Their food is unforgettable. There's this little booth off the main market way that has these big spits of lamb cooking over fire, stuffed to the gills with spicy peppers. This dude with a scimitar carves you off a slab like he's in a duel. And then they sandwich that bad mother on a warm flatbread, add more peppers and cheese, probably from the same lamb, and these these pickled green fruits. I, I, don't, I don't even know what they are, but it's, what, two copper a piece, and I 
I dream about it at night. That sounds delicious, Storm. And speaking of things being sandwiched, it looks like the Mortal Dawn are about to get swallowed by the crowds of people as they enter the capital. The Gate Market is famous for having some of the wildest and most interesting storefronts in all of the Gem Coast. You ain't kidding. You can buy anything there if you bring enough dosh. I had my wallet stolen there once, and believe it or not, I found the exact same kind of wallet for sale in one of the booths. Same color stitch and everything. Oh, wait. Oh, wait a second. And on the topic of selling things, it's time we took a break to hear from some of our great sponsors. Stay tuned. Item number 36786. And while it lasts, we have 50 of these left in stock, and they are moving fast. Four payments of 99 drac. This is the Corsair Supreme Sword Collection. This comes with 14 swords. 14 swords. And four bonus daggers. i never seen so many swords all at once before. You get the 14 swords, ranging from small, sneaky, one-handed to the Corsair Supreme two-handed Exterminator X. And they all come with sheaths made right here in Leone. Those are some nice sheaths, Ted. But if you call in the next 10 minutes... We'll include the cursed war axe of Carvast, which we can't show here on screen. Take the soul right out of your kids, whammo. But believe me, it is a sight to behold. Here is an artist's rendition. Now this is the cursed war axe of Carvast, part of this 18-piece Corsair Supreme collection, all for just four payments of 99 drag. Let's take a collar. Collar, you're on the scry. Hey guys, I just got the Corsair swords, and I want to say uh, there's definitely 14 of them. Uh, I didn't get the cursed axe. I gave that to my father-in-law. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy, but I can carry all of them. Uh, I get a few on my back, three on each hip, and the bonus daggers in my boots, a couple strapped to my legs. And I tell you, boys, folks at the tavern sure gave me a look. But I felt great. Dang, that is a fashion statement. Again, this is item 36789 here on the Merchant Shopping Network. Taking all calls, we only have 44 units left. Merchant Shopping Network. It's 3 a.m. and your gold isn't going to spend itself. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, all you cuties, and welcome to the brand new year. Woo! 2020! Woo! Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, as a fantastic welcoming into this new year, we actually, like, the day we put out our last episode was the day we got, like, a bunch of brand new Patreon subscribers, and because I had already posted it, I couldn't go back on it, and normally I'd save these for the end of the month, but I'm just gonna do them now because I'm just su super, super excited about it. Um, first off, I want to thank Ethan Peterson, uh, Armin Hain, 
and Patch for their brand new subscriptions. And I also definitely want to thank Maisie, who is absolutely amazing and also did some fantastic fan art for us. And I just can't express my love for that enough. I feel like fan art means that you've arrived. I don't know where we've arrived, but I'd like to think it's somewhere important. Beyond that, we've also got our anniversary show coming up, which I've mentioned before, and we're also planning on doing a questions and answer thing, which we've done before, called the League of Ultimate Questions. If you're interested in getting any questions answered, either, you know, questions about us, questions for the characters, you can even ask in-world questions for the characters to answer. So whatever you're interested in doing, throw it our way. We're happy to hear it. If you want to show your support for the show, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. One of the big ones is with Patreon, which I just mentioned before. You can get your name on the show and all sorts of other cool stuff. Additionally, if you want to just, like, kind of give us a little bit of a favor, you could go to our Level Up Dice partnership link, uh, which can be found at bit.ly forward slash LUD slash studios. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but even just clicking on that puts us in some pretty good running for some awesome stuff that can really help out the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm sure you've got New Year's resolutions to get to, so I'm just going to get you back to the action. Hey, Irinath. Nice tunic. Thank you. It was made by the humans. They have a keen eye for fabrics. Whoops. I dropped my silver piece. Damn you, humans! Has this happened to you? Don't get mad. Just come down to PC Cooper's Big and Strong Store. We have all your favorite fashions in sizes up to 12XL and 60 inseam pants. You've got a 20 strength and you're 6 foot 9. Takes more than a few yards of fabric to cover your mass. Huge hoodies for half-orcs. Fashionable flannels for furbolgs. Grand garments for goliaths. And moo-moos for minotaurs. Get your newest wardrobe at PC Cooper's Big and Strong Store. Just cause you're medium size doesn't mean you're size medium. As the huge golden gates of Den Mazir with the manticore and sphinx embossment swing open before you, you see the sights of this colorful, busy city. There are peasants and nobles filling every inch of the street, save for the very center thoroughfare. You can see some of the people that were gathered outside around the execution, mostly dressed in rags. No shoes, blemishes on their skin, lots of injuries and bandages. Some of them perhaps with a disease that is common amongst the peasants of the city. Some of them flood in around you, and you see the guards in their manticore armor wave to Habhakima and his palanquin as you guys walk alongside it. The tide sort of spreads of the people in the street as the palanquin enters, and they sort of make room for Habhakima with some sort of reverence. And as you travel through this massive capital, this is the most concentrated population in all of Mackinac. There are more people here per square foot than anywhere else. It's also obviously one of the wealthiest cities, despite the intense number of very poor people right in front of you. There are tents and businesses that are selling some of the most bizarre exotic fruits and plants you've ever seen. Just bundles of these bright green and orange peppers. Um, there is booth selling all sorts of strange animals that you assume are being sold for food that you would never consider. There's just barrels of snakes and eels that people pull out and slit the throat with a knife and hand them off. There's this massive, almost like dire marsupial of some kind hanging from a wooden pole with little babies all over it. And people will come up and they'll pull one of the babies off and like slit its throat and wrap it in paper and just sell it immediately. And uh, they give a treat to this huge possum-like mother with tusks 
and it just gobbles down this scarab that they feed it. You see one shopkeeper in particular grab someone's hand and slam it down and pull out what looks like a little black box and opens it. And the scorpion just runs out and starts stinging the guy's hand and he's screaming and everyone around just kind of moves away and lets this happen. And Hab Hakim is just like waving to people. He'll occasionally like hand a passing well-off person a piece of paper. Um, he throws a couple of coins to a particular group of performers and everyone doesn't make eye contact at all. And he leads you all the way through the city, which takes the better part of an hour. See, the difference between this and what we experienced in uh, Craw, these are laws that everybody already knew. Everybody here knows what the rules are. And they break them, and they die for it. Uh, with Craw, I just felt like he didn't know. And his only crime was simply being there and not wanting to stay. I, I was eyeing you nervously when we walked by the execution. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you can safely bet that if there is rule of law in the place and the person knowingly breaks that law, I'm not going to intercede. Haruthax is currently eating one of those eels like a noodle, just <laughs> slurping it down in one. Awesome. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, You've never had this kind of eel before. Its bones are very soft, easy to chew. That was great. <laughs> Give me some of those little baby things. And I start walking over towards him. <laughs> Just be sure to pay for them. And I gesture at the man whose hand is no doubt like three times the size of his head. I, I hold up my stump and I go, I don't know if he's brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just eats the scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet, free protein. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Habakim just is alight with showing you guys the city, pointing to certain buildings, be like, this is a very old library, books here from, from before the time the elves even left the mainland. And this is an art museum where you can see famous pieces by and lists a name of some artists. And the further into the city you get, the more you move away from this sort of wash of poverty and filth kind of out in the street. Every alleyway and every rooftop is just covered with little lean-tos and hovels where people are erecting living space wherever they can. You pass through the entire capital of Denmazir, past the Sphinx Palace, which is surrounded by the patchwork spires, just this huge opulent golden palace right on the water. And you leave out of another gate along a very long stone walkway into what's sort of a satellite city that surrounds Denmazir. It is a very large city of itself, but there are a lot of small ones that kind of cling to it. And he tells you, we will now be entering Menra. It is where I make my home. I am one of the wealthiest nobles in Menra. It is an honor to have you here in my city. Guys, I can still feel that eel wriggling around in my stomach. It's really weird. <laughs> You're supposed uh. to cook it first. And he leads you along a very long stone walkway through what he is describing as Menra. And it looks like mostly large noble estates. There's not a lot of small buildings or apartments or things like that. They all seem to be slightly walled off from each other. And the closer to the ocean you get, the larger and larger they get. Some of them have fountains and pools out front with tall, exotic tropical birds that just sort of step through the water, fishing out small goldfish and koi, things like that. There are exotic mounts that you've never seen before. Some of you are familiar with camels, but there are others that are like reptilian, almost like uh, velociraptors with saddles on them. And uh, some of them are kind of like those large mounted birds you saw in the free isles, but much smaller, almost like big turkeys that you would ride on. And their, their beaks are like these huge curved blades. I heard exotic mounds. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, yeah, there means the candy bar, mm -hmm. other things, uh, anatomical things. Wonderful tropical lumps. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these beautiful mounds. <laughs> and you arrive at Villa Hakima, two-story, very large, wide building that sort of goes out over the water on large uh, wooden platforms 
white marble stone, gold and silver filigree. There are huge marble pillars embossed with gold and silver with markings of what looks like a large eye creature, just like a big floating eye with a mouth. And on the other one, it looks like a sort of mermaid with four arms and huge fins coming off the top of its head with like a trident in its hands. And Chris, you're familiar that these are the symbols of House Spectator and House Myrmidon. That's kind of the banks and the trade guild and the navy and the shipfaring. Is this the worst you have for beholders in the overworld? Because I got to say, it's kind of a joke. I think it's just ornate. Stylized. Mm. Ah, yes, the all-seeing eye of the spectator. What better symbol for a banker, eh? I've never really known banking to be a lot of looking, more counting, but okay. Ah, having a keen eye in Denmazir is very important if you travel with wealth. I think you're reaching, but all right. (laughs) Are you saying there are a lot of thieves? Oh, yes. Pickpocketing is probably the largest profession in all of Denmazir. I wouldn't call it a profession. Well, if you're good at it. Would you say that uh, what you do is a profession? Yeah. Same basic thing. Mm. We steal from monsters. We steal from evil wizards. They steal from Steve. That doesn't make it any less of a profession. It just happens to be a profession with a far higher hazard cost. So long as you can make a living off of it, that's what your job is. Poor Steve. (laughs) (laughs) He was rich Steve before he got pickpocketed. (laughs) And now he's a thief. Mm. The great cycle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining this guy standing on the roof of his gorgeous palace with his son and being like, one day all of this will be yours. (laughs) One day you will inherit the loans controlling this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. And uh, he leads you through the pillars and into his home. And he uh, offers to let you leave Morty outside. There's actually a pen with some exotic animals all separated off from each other. Some of them are kind of large tropical birds. One of them is an actual like reptilian mount that looks like it's probably either his or one of his attendants. So there is a spot for animals very specifically. And Morty seems a little shy about it, but... Morty, don't worry. Go, Go with these men. But if anyone tries to take you from here... Don't leave unless they say the secret word. It's bacon. (laughs) Don't leave unless they say it. And uh, he gives you his puppy nod and wanders off with uh, the two soldiers that they send off to take care of him. And they've never seen anything like Morty before. There's a lot of dogs in Alcara, but he is just a whole different creature. And he lets you come inside and the ceilings are all very low. The main rooms are wide and spread out stone floors. And there are pieces of art hanging all over the place out on pedestals and on the wall. And a lot of them look like they're things that you would find like at the bottom of the ocean. There's like a very old steering wheel of a ship that has been rebuilt to be brand new, but looks just ancient or a kind of a maritime chest covered with creatures of the sea, fish and sharks carved all around it. These are some of my most valuable possessions. People come from all over to witness my museum. Water garbage? My trade is dealing with the finances of many of the ships of Denmazir, but I am also quite a bit of a historian of things maritime. I am a collector. The ocean fascinates me. My second home, to be sure. For somebody without gills, you seem to have a very interesting choice of home. Ah, but there are magics that can let us move under the water like a fish. I cannot imagine something less appealing. No, wait. Genital torture. <laughs> this is kind of a wince from everyone nearby. But the house cubist thing, I think. Well, yeah, Chris really is, is like, well. 
CBT man. <laughs> all the way. You have a beautiful home, Hop Thank you for inviting us into it. Good distraction. <laughs> I, give my thumbs up. Yeah, I like the idea that's Maven just redirecting. Let's just steer away from that. <laughs> this wheel, is it from the Age of Legends? Ah, you have a good eye, my friend. It is indeed one of the vessels of a very famous warship. Well, please tell me all about it. And he kind of takes Hobhakim off to the side to have this kind of discussion. Well, you are given access to make yourself at home as long as these soldiers are kind of watching your every move. I do not know why I cannot stop goofing on this man. I can't stop. I need help. And it seems to just roll off his back like water off a duck. Like it doesn't even phase him. <sighs> I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I had almost mentioned before we left that maybe uh, Chris should obviously not take the lead. Captain, oh, captain. But... Uh, <laughs> But perhaps um, act as like your emissary. This sounds a lot of very fancy. You can just simply talk, but trust me, I'm going to keep doing this until somebody makes me nod. Yeah, we. I mean, we can just kind of treat Artyom like our leader, but obviously he's he's not going to do all the work. So maybe, Chris, you, you know this place? And Yes, I, I know some things or two about this place. It's going to be very dangerous for me to be making fun of people who are known for uh, stinging your hands with scorpions for mm. stealing dates. <laughs> There's a screaming noise as Ruthax feeds one of the baby marsupials to their hand. Yeah, just like a crunching sound and yeah. a slurp as this little like spaghetti tail just kind of... Uh, you see Hab Hakima place his hand on Maven's shoulder and give him a big smile and mutter something to him. And then he, he leaves with his attendant and two of the soldiers. And Maven comes over and says, well, uh, we're almost just in time for a very early dinner. Hab Hakima has some things to attend to before the meal and during the meal. We will eat and then we'll have our negotiations regarding the terms of the quest. Oh dear. Two dinners? Uh, we could probably ask for more later. They do tend to have some very fancy snacks late in the evening here in Alcara. So I guess during this little bit of downtime, Krista wanders the villa, and the first, or maybe the second servant he sees, he talks to in Alcaran. Mm. Let's build some solidarity. Sure, and there is a, a figure who's moving about, a teenage girl, and she seems like she's taking her job to kind of clean some of the pedestals that have these art pieces on them. Mm. And she's also just collecting little bits of debris and putting them in a leather bag that she's carrying. Ah, she bows. Pleasure to meet you, honored guest. It's a pleasure to meet you. What's your name? My name is Mina. It's a pleasure. And she, she keeps nodding every time you say something <laughs> and giving you kind of an awkward bow. You, you don't have to do that. Oh, but I am I am on the clock. I understand very well, but it's just, it's just, think of me as a friend. It is very exciting to see a child of the city who has moved out and found fame and wealth. <laughs> a little bit, but um, I was wondering, I I'm not even sure why we're here or, or, or really much about, well, I know a few things about him, but he wasn't really quite as big in my time here. Do you know what's going on? I do not know the dealings of Hab Hakima, nor would I dare venture to guess, giving you another bow. Oh. Well, then tell me about you. I must continue working. I am sorry, honored guest, but please come to me if you need anything besides this conversation. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. As soon as she walks away, I come up behind him and put my hand on her shoulder. Did you pay her mortgage or something already? No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the burlier soldiers that was with you with the palanquin uh, walks over and says, Would you care to join us on the balcony? There will be hookah and beverages. I don't care. He means yes. Please follow me. And it leads you out to a beautiful oceanfront balcony. It's it's made of polished white marble, and there are these like iron chairs and tables laid out that are beautifully carved. Um, and there is a whole platter of things like dates and sparkling white 
alcoholic beverages with bubbles floating around in it, and a very large golden hookah that's sort of built into the ground in this balcony that has very long hoses that come off of it. And you notice Maven just immediately walks over and picks it up and takes a long pull out of it. <laughs> and this almost like purple smoke mm-hmm. just emits from his mouth. Christ. Ooh. Yes. Chris, is that only for wizards? No, it's it's for everyone. Go, go. We'll what? enjoy the taste. Does it hurt? Only the first time. What? Oh. Okay, be brave. Maven like rubs his eyes. He spared no expense on this one. Got the good stuff. Little alchemical tweaking on this. Oh, fancy. Oh, this must be the, the purple haze? <laughs> <laughs> I see you know your stuff, Chris. Yes. Uh, I mean, you'll offer someone the hose. Just me then? That's no, fine. No, no, no. Uh, watch. I'll show you how it's done. He's been doing this for a while. So yeah. he actually does a weird awesome. smoke thing that comes out. It's a bird and just like flies off. Just like dissipates. a hint of prestidigitation in the exhale. Yeah. Just Gandalf the shit out of it. Yeah. Awesome. I want to see a performance check just for fun. Oh, okay. I could totally see Chris as a House Cubist member being trained in oh, the God. art of smoke blowing. Don't fuck this up, Chris. Did I fuck it up? No, no. it's good. Smoke's not oh. the only thing he's trained in blowing. That is an 18. Hell yeah. So yeah, like a bird that actually flaps its wings as, it's, as it flies away from Chris's mouth. Let me get this straight. Hmm. It is smoke that mm-hmm. you breathe instead of air mm-hmm. so that you can feel different. Yes. Well, it's, it has some, you know... Mental benefits, some physical benefits, you know. I do not believe there are any physical benefits to ah, this. well. They cannot, that is ridiculous. Can I see some of what you're smoking, please? I look at the Habakiman, I'm looking for like the actual... No, like, he's inside, you, but you, Maven's uh, here with you. If you're going to do this, be very quick and very careful. You do not want to insult him. I go over to the pot and I pull out some of the actual, like, the, the leaf or whatever they're smoking. Sure, it's like a sticky, gooey tar. Right. And it has like little tiny, like, crystalline bits stuck in it. Give a little tongue taste and uh, do a little medicine check here. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, 10 plus eight. No, seven. Six. Yeah. You can tell that this is like a kind of like sticky cooked down hash of some kind right. with a bunch of flavors infused into it. You get like fruit and, and, uh, like sandalwood and a little bit of lavender. Um, and then there's a weird alchemical component you're thinking is possibly to make it much lighter and have kind of a fun color when it's exhaled. I take Chris's hand, put it all over his palm. And I'm like, that's within your lung now. Enjoy. More for us, Maven says. Arvid, Harithax, would either of you care to partake? Um, Arvid's been doing it the whole time since you started talking. <laughs> oh, 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 you are quite Oh, God, you're a just like pro. speedballing yeah. it. Like, yeah. I, imagine, I imagine Arvid just, just one big, just. <sighs> oh, God. He's been inhaling the whole time you're talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. It's like starting to leak out his nose and ears. <laughs> and as you and Maven look to Arvid, just like smoke oh. starts pouring out of Arvid's nostrils and filling the air, and it begins to make you want to cough. You hit it real hard. Yeah, I won't do that on the mic. Just just for you guys, I won't cough. <laughs> yes, you probably burned the shisha as well. It just like uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you like ruined the hook. <laughs> but there's a there's a servant that immediately comes and changes out the silver tray and fills it up with some more of this sticky tar substance and relights it with a coal. Thank you so much, Mina. Tell me how you feel tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> uh, right now I feel kind of dizzy. <laughs> and uh, the balcony door is open and a figure steps out and says, Dinner is served. You're all brought into this huge hall with a 
low flat table that's built into the floor. There are cushions around it that you're expected to sit on cross-legged, save for Habhakima, who has his own table and chair at the head of it. A very large, ornate, almost throne-like chair. There are a couple of nobles that are sitting around. You would not recognize them. They might just be friends of Habhakima, clingers on. They might even live here. And around the table, near the walls, there are a group of three female dancers on each side. And they're wearing very beautiful, flowing silk garments with little beads and bells that hang on the end of them. Does Chris recognize any of them? You think that they probably have some training in House Cubis, but they're not necessarily members. A couple of them have a very striking resemblance to Hab Hakima himself. And you, growing up here, know that there is a tradition of nobles for some of the higher-ranking female members of the family to be raised to a position of what's called a rain dancer. And during negotiations, or even fancy dinners, they will dance. It's actually part of the negotiation, like how well that the dancers do and represent the family can influence the mercantile that's happening at the table. Sometimes incredibly influential or talented dancers can be bought just to have their presence there because they do such an impressive job representing that end of the deal. And you think a couple of these are probably Hab Hakima's sisters or daughters. It's hard to tell with their age. And they don't dance until people are eating. They hold perfectly still, statuesque. And Hakima takes a seat, says, Welcome all of my fine guests this evening, especially my guests from the League of Ultimate Questing. Such a treat to have you here in my villa. Please enjoy my food, and when we are done, we will discuss business. Maven gives him a nod, and a group of workers come out and hand each of you several platters. Like a little piece of art is erected in front of you with seven different plates. There's like clear white soups with tender chunks of shank floating in them. There are these really spicy lentils with some kind of red and green vegetables cut up inside of them. There's like a thick black soup. It's almost like the texture of a tar, almost like a molasses, but it's rich and spicy. And there's coconut broth that is brought out in a cup. And just this strange, exotic array of flavors. Things you have never had before, save for probably Chris. Hmm. What, what if this is spicy? Oh, um, this? Uh, you should have a little bit of that on top of that. It's, it balances out so perfectly. Um, you probably want a sip of this before you have Ugh. that. Ugh, no. I just grabbed like a spoonful of whatever no, you wanted to no, do no, first no. Oh, and just put it in my face. Just a mouthful of wasabi. Oh, God. Uh, uh, pardon him. Uh, he hasn't... I have really traveled much. As long as he enjoys, it is fine. And you feel a gentle tingle at first, and it starts to spread down your throat. And then there's a intense tingle in your mouth and a heat. And it almost feels like you, you ate something poisonous you're not supposed to, and nature's telling you, this is bad. This is not supposed to be in your mouth. Part of it's kind of like, hmm, masochistically enjoyable. So I'm <laughs> sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, huh, that is, um, that hurts. <laughs> and that's it. Like, just like, just like a super casual beat of sweat and no response. <laughs> I'm like, no, that definitely, that definitely hurts. Then you do this intentionally. Ah, the finest peppers from the Free Isles and Eastern Alcara. I grab another spoonful and I put it on top of it. I'm just like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> I, uh, hate, I hate this. <laughs> thanks, like, thanks. I hate it. It's like <laughs> eating sunlight. Uh, that wait, I kind of like it. Nice. I, just keep, I just keep eating spicy things and I just sit there sweating and like eyes red and I'm like, mm, this is awful. I love it. Yeah. And you all manage to finish your meals. Uh, the things that you like, clear trays are cleared immediately. Drinks are brought out. And Hakima sort of pulls out this long smoking pipe and folds his leg over. Says, so we will discuss business. I am known here in Alcara as one of the nobles who does not keep slaves. I understand we have a reputation, 
for having people that belong to us. It is part of our culture. It's part of our economy. But some time ago, I decided that I would have employees. I pay these people. They make coin. They get room and board. And it is my honor to be friends with many of them. It's a great way to show off your wealth, too. I would say so. It has earned quite a feather in my cap, and I think it is a trend that may catch on with some of the other noble houses. And this is fine with me, stimulating the economy. I have one group of employees in particular that live underneath my villa near the water, and I am very proud to have them in my service. It is a group of the Azur Drakkar. They work for me in scouring the ocean bottom, finding things near my villa, and dealing with the uh, magic of the ocean when I deal with the ships. They came from Drakkar in the uh, negotiations with the queen. Many of them moved to the city, and I befriended some of the Azure Scales, and they are now my employees. They require assistance for something that has given them quite a bit of unrest lately, and they require help. And I'm willing to give you each 500 gold in your currency uh, to help them sort this out, because I want to have my employees happy, and I want to have my villa be safe. Da, this 500 sounds good. Also, maybe more of this. And I point to the spicy <laughs> thing. I will be sure to send you home with a few jars of these peppers if you wish. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Shall I bring forth the den matron? to speak to you about their problems. I can see why not. Makes sure that all the other guests have cleared out of the main hall and actually takes you guys into kind of a back study. There's huge bookshelves and tapestries. <laughs> just I grab the bowl. While and they're clearing the plate, just kind of pull it, <laughs> stick it in the pocket. Uh, Got a spicy butter uh, pocket now. Oh no. Okay, okay. <laughs> no one says anything. Okay. Your honored guests. I told you he'd like spicy food. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it ends with food. <laughs> <laughs> well, something um, about the suffering while eating things is very yes. RTM, too. Very yeah. much so. I just wish I could taste this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you're led into this study with these really soft, padded couches that sort of wrap around in a ring. And there's a small hearth with what is clearly an artificial magical fire burning in it. And there, sitting at the couch, is a very tall and slender female blue scaled dragonborn and she has in her arms what looks like a pair of writhing little baby dragonborn that are just kind of climbing all over her and she has another one that's resting on her shoulder and she's wearing very beautiful jewelry that shows some sort of symbol of office or maybe leadership hard to tell but she's well dressed and adorned she seems like she's much older based on the dragonborn you've been around you can see a little bit of graying at the corners of her mouth and her scales are slightly faded and you're all seated around her and it says, This is Den Matron Naruzaka. She leads the Drakkar below my villa. And she came to me with a problem. So I will leave you to it. And he takes uh, one of the glasses on the table and leaves. And she says, Greetings, outsiders. Have you come to help my people? I believe so. Below the villa, we have our homes in the caverns near the ocean. It is beautiful and we like it here. Hab Hakima has been fairly kind to us. We work hard, but he pays us, and we have a home that we care for. But recently, we encountered a very troubling thing. I am in charge of the children. I am the birther here. I am the egg layer. But just last moon, we encountered the unthinkable. M. L. Akra. Harothax, you are taken aback by this term. This is a phrase rarely uttered by the Drakkar. It's one of the most intense insults and accusations you could imagine. It is the Drakkar word for egg thief. Well, it's
It sounds like our beloved Hero Rang team has had their dinner followed by a dessert of juicy quest details. I can't wait to hear more about their job from the rich boat guy. Hunt someone down and kill them, track down something precious, break and enter, god damn! I just hope there's some monsters and a good dose of problem solving. The gem ghost is peppered with all kinds of deadly places. Indeed it is, and for the rates offered, it's got to be a doozy. Yeah, just a drop in a bucket to Mr. Maritime Moneybags. Private beach mansion with workers and an art gallery. Bet he doesn't even pay a pip of tax. Probably got most of it from his parents. Ah, Bakima, more like have a heck of a lot of money. Got him. <laughs> Good one, Storm. Well, folks, be sure to join us next time as we unlock the mysteries awaiting within Hakama Villa and see if the Mortal Dawn will survive the trials of the Alcaran capital. Will the price be right to do the bidding of this wealthy noble? Or are there secrets yet left unspoken? Find out next time on the League of Ultimate Questing! Later that night, all of you here. Oh God! Oh God, there's so much worse coming out! <laughs> <laughs> no! Mercy! <laughs> I am sorry! <laughs> I thought I knew what burning was! <laughs> I was I was actually waiting. I was like, RTM just just all of the spicy food. I'm like, he's gonna be so miserable when that comes out. I I had that thought. So that was a good one. That's a good outro. I like that. Okay, that's great. <coughs> mm. First, let's go around the table. I want to thank everybody here for joining us, starting uh, starting over here. My name's Sam, and I play Arvid Ulfmund. Uh, I uh, pass it on to my brothers. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I was like going to keep going, and I'm like, I don't have to say anything. So well, I mean, cool. but you're a true barb. But I what ratio is your true barb? I will pass it on to my brothers. <laughs> yes. What, what ratio is your true barb? What ratio? Yeah, oh, ratio? I'm, uh, I've become level five. Barbarian, and, so, and I've stayed at level two druid for a while. I'm not even sure if I'm gonna go up. I think I should go into like bard so like next. Two parts druid to five Barb. parts barbarian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, you can substitute for like right. Sorcerer just cut. Or whatever, but, <laughs> uh, my name is Michael Loving. I play Haruthax, the level seven dragonborn warlock, who I did not expect when I was like, I think Haruthax is afraid of the ocean. To have the ocean come up once every game session. <laughs> I was like, this will be a one-off interesting flavor thing. And then it's like, ocean, 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 ocean. <laughs> Consider how much ocean there tends to be in yeah. a world. <laughs> Hi, uh, uh, I'm Alante, and I play Chris Zagrand, which I'm going to call the Resonant, uh, only because Ooh. he's the crystalline prototype sorcerer and bard now. There you go, there you Chris go. Chris the Resonant. The Resonant. The Resonant. <laughs> <laughs> And just don't die and come back. It's going to be the Revenant Resonant. Yeah. Yeah. The Resonant. The, resi like the Resident Revenant. The yeah. Resonant Revenant. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? I am the Zach Barkus. I play Artyom Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering. I'm also the technical director, sometimes editor, sometimes everything else for Slapdash Studios. My name's Law. I'm the Dungeon Master for the League of Ultimate Questing and the Creative Director of Slapdash Studios. I'd also like to throw a special thanks to Tori Christensen for being our editor. Yay, Notorious. Thank yes. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> um, that's really, really good stuff. So I want to thank you all for joining us on another fantastic episode of League of Ultimate Questing. Um, if you guys are a fan of the LUQ and want to see us keep growing, 
please take a moment and share it with friends. I know everybody says that, like, smash that subscribe button or whatever, but you don't understand. Every person, if every single person listening to this got two more people to listen to it, we would triple our fan base. That's insane. We'd be up to like 60. We'd be up to <laughs> like at least eight people. Uh, so just, but like, just bully some friends into it. Just get them to listen to our, our commercials. If you go on uh, facebook.com slash slapdash studios, you can find all of like these new fancy, fantastic like commercial videos that Law's been making mm-hmm. throughout all of uh, D&D, D&D December. Yeah. <laughs> D&D they're, they're on Twitter too. That looks good on, on paper. It is hard to say out loud. It's very hard to say out loud. But yeah, new episodes of Let Go Live every Monday and we, they're available wherever podcasts are, are accessible um you know fig- visit slapdashstudios.com for links to all of our social media if you want to follow us on twitter or instagram at slap the dash or facebook like i mentioned earlier um we share weekly bonus content every single friday law is making some kick-ass memes and everything else and it's just good stuff to show your support uh you can also check out our patreon now we actually recently just got a fat stack of 25 dollars subscribers which is the legendary team and that the standard for that is that we thank you in every episode that might be changing sometime soon we're not sure about the details but we're getting so many now and everybody loves it so much that we're just like shit okay mm-hmm. we got to figure something out for this either so. way we'll, we'll put something on the website that honors all of you by name yes um but regardless if you support patreon even just a little bit even like a dollar you get things like uh character sheets maps magic items made by law and things like that and also bonus episodes and one shots a lot of those are available at our three dollar tier which is not much considering how much content you're getting for free um slapdash has another gaming podcast called d20 questions which we have not been super prolific in in posting but hey you know whatever it's a casual fun thing that we do when we feel like it Mm, Um, dessert yeah but it's just me and law interviewing people in the gaming scene people like marshall short keith baker yeah keith baker the creator of eberron marshall Mm -hmm. short the uh Printable Printable heroes. Printable heroes. Stop interrupting me. I got this. I can do this. I'm sorry. It looked like you were looking (laughs) to me for answers. I'm trying to help. You're fine. Um, But anyway, it's really great stuff. And it's just us goofing hard and uh, less of me having to rein in how many goofs I do because there's five people that I have to talk over. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we love all you LU cuties and we hope we can keep growing and questing together. But uh, until next time, we wish you luck. (laughs) 